All right. Welcome to the MXU Video Podcast. We're so excited that you're listening to us. When I say us, it's my friend Zach and Rusty, and we're talking all things deep dive into video world, all things technical. And so, yeah, we're here. We're ready to talk. I think we're ready to talk. Rusty, we ready to talk? I mean, we can talk about something. I got, so I just got my hair cut. I'm okay. just going to go, go die. This is just random. Yeah, I mean, I think it looks okay, great. great. Well, I appreciate that. But here's what I'm realizing. So I, I've had pretty long hair for the last two years. Basically, when COVID started two years ago, you know, nobody went to get their hair cut. So I just let it grow out. My wife started cutting it. You save a lot of money doing that. But I just had like this long hair, so I was tired of it. So I went and got it all cut off. Probably cut like five inches of hair off. Um, and now I'm sitting here on this call with you guys, and I'm realizing my hair looks just like Jeremy's. Yeah, I had that thought earlier. That's I, funny. I, I, so I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm not well, sure how I feel about it. But Jeremy's a good-looking guy. He's like a better-looking John Acuff. Mm, so, oh, that's that's a real stretch. <laughs> I mean, I don't yeah, have the I, don't have, I like the salt and pepper you have though. I don't have that yet. I do have a little bit coming in my beard. Yeah. Well, age, age. Just yeah. wait. What's new with you guys? Just, just living life. Yeah, living life, man. It's uh, springtime here in Charlotte. If you can tell by my voice, my head is pounding from allergies, and I want to lay down on the floor right now. But uh, <laughs> you know, that's Charlotte. That's the South in the spring. Yeah, yeah. this is like this is like spring one. I like. Yeah, it's about to get sure. cold again, and then we'll have spring two with new allergies. Yeah. So yeah, because yeah, I I look at the uh, Weather Channel app and always see like. The allergen level, and it's mm-hmm. this is the season for the red, yes. which my house melts down. Yes, while all the other people that live with me melt down with allergies. So, yep. yeah, it's annoying. Yeah, it so is what annoying. it is. I saw. Uh, so I don't know when people are going to hear this. It doesn't really matter. But it's currently March twenty second, and Jeremy, you were on the lake yesterday in your That's boat. True. I was. That's pretty impressive. It, yes. So it became. It was a seventy degree day, and it, yeah, it's been up and down. And I'm. I was finally like, you know what? We're gonna go take the boat out. It, it's needed to. It needs to be cleaned. It needs to. Yeah. So this is like our spring cleaning boat day. Mm-hmm. Just us. We pulled it out of the water. I got. Got to clean it all up. But boating is our like hobby. It's our like love language as a family. So. Uh yeah, my kids got in the water. Then. They got in the oh, water. That's they crazy. got in the water. I, I it's got to mm. be fifty degrees. Yeah, so, when well, when you get out, it's only seventy and windy. Right. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'm in a hoodie and shorts, and they're in the water just playing. But yeah, I feel wow. like we've, you know, winter time. You just, it's like you've been like held captive, you know. Yes, so now yeah, it's like, oh, I need to get out. Anyway, that's what we do. That's awesome. So, what do you, baseball yeah. season has started for us, so it's you know two days a week. We're at the, ba- the baseball fields with our eight-year-old, and it's super fun. He's currently, I think he's batting 500 right now. So, is this like pretty, uh, uh, kid pitch or like dad coach pitch? pitch? Coach, coach pitch. pitch. Yeah. Said dad coach. Yeah, coach um, pitch. We are short people, so I am. I just got back from the Netherlands, which is the tallest country in the world, and I'm already short, so I felt very short there. Um, but I'm pretty average, you know, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, on a good day. Never actually 5'9". Five, 5'8", five, and my wife is like 4'10". <laughs> so um, she's 4'10", I'm 5'8". Our kids are doomed. And uh, so, yeah, Luke is the smallest kid out there, but he's got a ton of heart. And uh, it's fun to watch him. Fun to watch him play and try hard. So we're enjoying that. That's great. 
I'm uh, totally distracted right now by some info that our guest or interview or guest interview, however you say that. The guest that's on the podcast with us today sent over some stuff and got my brain turning, and I am plundering around on the Direct Out Technologies website. And uh, they make a, I knew they made a lot of good stuff, but they make a lot of good yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's it's cool stuff, man. Zach, you were like the podcast wizard, like that. What a segue. Well, I'm distracted, and I'm I like, mean, I hear y'all talking about y'all went from talking about hair to boats to baseball, and I'm like over here just nerding <laughs> out on some gear. That's awesome. Yeah, direct out makes some great stuff. So, uh, why don't you tell us then about our guest since you're all nerding out on some gear? So our guest today is uh, going to be talking about our new MXU headquarters in Knoxville. It's actually John from Skylark. Uh, Skylark is handling all things uh, integration for. Uh, the new facility, at least on the video side for the uh, the racks and stuff. And a uh, little secret, we're going to be able to take the same gear that's in the headquarters and uh, take it out on the road for the MXU tour that's coming out this summer that I don't feel like the dates are out yet, but Lee keeps hinting uh, at it on the main podcast. So uh, it's going to be exciting to see this gear be able to help churches uh, in the facility in Knoxville and out on the road. Yeah. So we uh, we take a few minutes and we talk to John, pick his brain about things, see what design looks like. Um, you know, there's a few manufacturers that we know about um, and a few that are still to be determined. So um, I'm excited about it. Um, Rusty, you have any thoughts on the MXU HQ before we jump into our interview with John? I, I, I don't know what I can say that I haven't already said. So yeah. I'll just jump into it. Okay, it's gonna be great. let's go. <laughs> Uh, we're excited to have our friend from Skylark, John, who is here to talk to us about MXU HQ. I guess, really, I mean, John, that's a lot of pressure. So I'll just say we're all here <laughs> to talk about MXU <laughs> HQ. Uh, but you are like a really significant portion of it because uh, Skylark is helping uh, connect all the pieces and parts, right? Like at the end of the day, this is a video podcast about video, diving deep technically, and you're here uh, putting all the pieces and parts together from different manufacturers to make uh, MXU HQ awesome. So, it gives a little idea. Like, I don't know if the world knows who John is. So, like, give us a little <laughs> bit. Introduce yourself to the yeah. world. <laughs> well, uh, thanks, guys. Uh, my name is John. I'm on the team at Skylark. I kind of oversee our design, engineering, and field operations areas. Um, I've been a tech director for oh, I don't know, 15, 16 years before I joined the Skylark team three years ago. Um, it's something I always wanted to do. I love the guys here, and I love what we get to do, and I really love the opportunity to serve uh, lots of churches uh, instead of just one church uh, every week. So uh, it's a blast. Uh, we get to work on some really cool projects with some awesome clients, and uh, I can't imagine doing anything else. It's, it's really killer. So you said you were a tech director. Like, what 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 did you do? Like, tech director is like a very loose term in the church. I feel like so yeah, you could mix yeah. front of house or yeah, you could sure. sit in a rack room. <laughs> no, I for sure always had a bent uh, towards video, so I found myself in the video room a lot. Um, uh, the first two churches I was at, I was the tech guy, like the only tech guy. So I had to wear many hats, but usually would find volunteers to do audio because that's not my strong point. Um, as I got older, I, I ended up was a live video director at a pretty good sized church out in South Carolina. Um, and then I really, 
I just kind of, because my background was always in video, I always tried to get back to video. Um, so it's, it's what I'm most passionate about. I, I speak it the best. I know it the best. Um, and it's what I, I get up out of bed thinking about every morning and <laughs> go to bed at night thinking about it's, uh, we've had the opportunity to do a, a lot of large video projects lately, the last two years at Skylark. So it's really been, it's kind of been the thing, you know, we, we do a good amount of, of AVL projects, but I feel like lately it's mostly been video. Um, so it's been a lot of fun for me. So wait, 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 you've, you did live video directing. I did not know this about your life. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I didn't know. I did. I did. I did. Uh, so you're yeah, like I, secretly I, judging Rusty and, <laughs> oh, aren't we all? I am. So do you think that I you're, am. uh, would you, what do you prefer the engineering side or the directing side or what would you say? Probably the engineering side. I mean, I love the thrill of a live show. There's nothing like it. Um, but I gravitate towards the systems that make it all happen versus necessarily operating the gear. Um, I haven't done it for a while. So to me, if I were to sit down at a switcher with eight camera operators and have to go, it would be, I'd be very nervous to do that. I think <laughs> sounds like a cool opportunity later this year at the MXU tour, maybe anyway. Yes. Yes. But that I like you know, systems and, and getting, you know, how do we get video to this many campuses? How do we get it to look great? How do we get this many number of audio channels embedded, like just all the nuts and bolts that make the system happen is really where I, uh, where I would gravitate towards. That's awesome. All right. So yeah. we're doing this MXU HQ thing, which we're excited about. And, uh, you know, you can browse through the other podcast MXU podcast and hear more. So about what's coming with HQ stuff, if not in the loop, but, uh, we're going to dive into some of the, what I would say is very exciting about MXU HQ. Um, and I'm trying to figure out like the way to best describe it. Cause like I could probably talk for the next 20 minutes alone, just how excited I am about it. Not even from a raw standpoint, but just how it's a tool for churches. That's like, um, I don't know. We overuse the word game changer, but it really is game changer. So like, give me one of your, like, you know, what's something that you're excited about, John, like when it comes to this facility and the video and you know, yeah. what's, what's possible. Yeah, I think it's a really unique, uh, what we've been asked to do is create a really unique solution. Um, and it's one that uh, basically lives in a fly pack, uh, could potentially tour the country, um, and then also needs to roll into headquarters and plug in and be ready to go at a moment's notice. So it's kind of it's kind of unique for us. To, I kind of think of it as like um, almost like a large church uh, video fly pack that they might use for a campus or something like that. Is kind of the mentality I had uh, going into it. But it's a it's a lot of gear uh, in a small form factor, and it's portable, but it's also not. So it's kind of a weird. It's kind of a weird. It's kind of a weird dynamic there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rusty and Zach, you guys have kind of heard a little bit of an overview. Is there anything that stands out to you that you guys are excited about as far as MXUHQ video standpoint? Should we do like a quick, here's the backbone of what the system is, like a really quick high level. We're supposed to get nerdy on this podcast, right? I so. know. They, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me do high level and then we'll dive into the details because I know yeah. there's some opinions about like Genlock. There's opinions about like why we do, there's certain components of the design that we can talk about. Uh, so 
high level is imagine a place that you walk into and you've always wanted to be able to teach your team about video and there may be an expert that's there like Rusty or Zach or any one of a host of people that you want to choose from as experts and you're there, you walk into this really uh, awesome control room that has like stations, has a switcher, has there's uh, there's cameras um, and then there's a way for us to be able to create a simulated service. So we're playing video tracks all gang together that simulate a service happening in another room and you get the opportunity to like dive deep with your team to teach them, to coach them, like what camera shots were what, why were we choosing that shot over another shot, like, you know, the, that kind of stuff. So it's like this awesome facility that can, yeah, it's so far outside the box in my mind. Even I have a hard time describing it even in that regard. But is that helpful, Rusty or Zach? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So like, you know, we'll dive into like the pieces and parts. Obviously, there's going to be cameras, live cameras for people to like put their hands on. There'll be lensing. Um, and I think, Rusty, uh, you have some opinions about all that, which I think some of that still to be determined. Yeah, I don't but, think the official, like actual, we don't necessarily know what the actual gear list is, but the the thought behind behind it is it would be uh, a camera system that you would find in a lot of churches, or it could be something that's really approachable to a lot of churches. Um, and I think, for at least for now, it would be uh, Super 35 cinematic camera um, system, which a lot of churches are looking at, and it would be like a mid-range solution. So um, I think, it, yeah, really approachable for people. We can do a lot of awesome hands-on training for how to do handheld work, how to do tripod work, um, you know, and if, I don't know, if anyone has any special needs, we can, you know, adapt those kind of cameras to do any kind of, you know, certain situations. Like maybe Jeremy would even get us like a Furio, you know, so we can show what that's like. <laughs> TBD, yes. <laughs> uh, but it's super exciting to have, yeah, just those capabilities to have, um, you know, you can come to a spot and we have cameras that we can train everybody on. And you may not have the exact same camera at your church, but for the most part, I know cameras all have the same parts and the same pieces. So, um, yeah, it'll all, it'll all work well for everyone. Yep. So then we like, from a video system standpoint, obviously, so being that like I get to, um, wear the Ross hat. So I obviously Ross is, um, providing a lot of gear from a switching and routing standpoint. So I think there's a lot of confusion sometimes about what a switcher and a router is, how they work, how they work together how we deal with um, getting audio in and out of a router, which is um, the way Ross does it. I'm a particular fanboy, but, you know, everybody has their own opinions about it. Uh, so Ross switcher, router, video servers, any, anything that Ross provides that helps provide, provide a solution in church space, it'll be there, um, which we're really excited about um, as well. And then um, Skylark's handling all a lot of the integration as far as like ProPresenter, um, and how we deal, do like even a KVM system, that kind of stuff. John, is that something we still may be looking at? Yeah, that's our plan. I, I think I think we probably need a small KVM system to be successful in this just because the, uh, the gear is going to be separate from the main rack uh, a majority of the time. Zach. So I, I'm guessing a lot of people, listeners don't know what KVM is. I was about to say, yeah. yes. So Zach, what is KVM or anybody? <laughs> I mean, Keep, I guess... 
keyboard video mouse is what I've always yeah. thought. But, that's what I've know, always thought. That's, that's right. KVM is just where we can uh, rack up a bunch of gear, have a transmitter for it, and then have a receiver somewhere else, typically over IP, that lets us drop that uh, receiver, say, out in an auditorium or wherever. You know, if we're on the road, the, the video rack could be backstage, and if for whatever reason we need the pro presenter computer to be at front of house, just a network drop, and you get real-time control just like the computer sitting right there beside you it's pretty awesome like the the contrast would be uh having dedicated you know anybody can do a dedicated system right you, you can put the the monitor and mouse really anywhere there's other there's tools to do it but when you use a kvm specific system you get to have access that one user station can be in one moment uh controlling pro, what's called a pro presenter one and then the other moment can be controlling as a completely different uh, Windows or Mac computer. So maybe a second pro presenter machine or a TRIA server or an engineering computer. So it makes that user station that you sit at agnostic to what device it serves and you get access to it, uh, which is the reason comes back to the point of like reason why we have all this is that we want to show everyone when you visit the MXU uh, HQ that like this is an awesome way to do it. A lot of times I know when I was in a, um, uh, purchasing decisions, it was like conceptually I understood it, but I didn't have opportunity to like see it and really like understand it before we bought or before we had to have those conversations. So hopefully this gives you an opportunity to go, oh, that's what that means. That's what that is. And you're able to, um, you know, make a better informed decision on how you spend your yeah. budget money. I don't, I don't know if that's like one of the you know, written goals of this, but I was just thinking the exact same thing. Like if I was in a smaller church and we were about to, or we were contemplating doing a big upgrade and maybe I've never had, you know, a two Emmys on a switcher or I've never had multiple cameras or a router, it'd be well worth my money to fly to Knoxville and just see the space. And it's like, what, what does it mean to have two Emmys? Why is that important? And we can show you what, yep. why do I need a router and a switcher? Um, what is a KVM? Yeah, that sounds super uh, beneficial for people. Yeah, and it's a low pressure environment. You're not like you're not having to like line up time with a different church, and everybody has their opinions about stuff. Like this is a whole like non pressure environment. Like you know, there's not going to be somebody from Ross or Canon or whoever it may be, video manufacturer, like hounding down your throat saying like, hey, 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 you're gonna you're gonna buy this? Here's here's what's cool, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. But it's more like, hey, this is this is put your hands on it, see it see how it works and, you know, make a decision from there. So yeah, that's what I'm excited and it's about. A, it's, about the, it's about the concept too, because even with something like a KVM system, you know, if the budget's not there, there are, this one will be IP based, but there are other options that are, that are more cost effective. If you need similar functionality, but maybe could decrease the flexibility a little bit, you know, it's about the concept of the technology. So I think it'll be cool for people to see that because there are other options besides an IP-based KVM system that could support sure. a smaller church very well, but give them similar functionality. Right, right. Yeah. Even down to like things like we're going to have, uh, you know, a, a master clock serving up gen lock and timing and, uh, you know, LTC, which is, Rusty, do you know, you know what LTC is? That's, I don't know why I'm even asking that. So, you, yes. You're insulting me. I know. <laughs> I, I I realized that as it came out of my mouth. I was like, "That's dumb. why am I doing this?" So, uh, yeah. So, uh, so we have linear time code, all that kind of stuff. But like, that's the um, the add-on things. That's like 
a lot of people choose to do frame syncs instead of doing gen lock. And so it's, um, it's nice to show like why, uh, that needs to be there. So I, I don't know, Zach or John, do you have an opinion about gen lock versus frame sync from a technical standpoint? I mean, I'd say if you can, if you can gen lock it, always gen lock it, you know, less latency in the system is always going to work out better for you. Yeah. Cool. So I, I mean, yeah, we probably should, we'll save gen lock versus frame sync for another like deep dive technically, because you know, yeah, you can true. get sideways. Way fast, deep. But yeah. Yeah. Right. So what's some other things, Rusty, you mentioned something up top and I was trying to remember what it was that we could dive in uh, technically, but it, it'll come to my mind, I guess, eventually. Oh, oh, lensing. So like, um, being able to help people understand like what lens to choose, what to look for in lensing and all that kind of stuff, right? Like that'd be hands-on experience. Like, and what does super 35 actually mean? That kind of thing. Yeah. I think, yeah, this is a space where we can definitely, um, dive into all those kind of topics to show you the, you know, the benefits and the challenges in a super 35 camera lens, uh, camera sensor. Um, and then I'm actually working on some training for my church, this week where I want to talk about lensing, like what does a millimeter mean? What is that actually referencing? And then uh, what is your aperture f-stop? What is that actually changing in the camera? More than just, you know, lightness and darkness. It's also changing your depth of field. So um, all of that kind of stuff. It'll be super easy. It'll be better to do when you have physical cameras that are turned on, hooked up, and you can see in real time what the differences are. You know? Right. Yep. So what's the... Help help us understand uh, Super Thirty Five versus a broadcast camera. Is that this cameras is like my weak point. So, like, what is is, is that the is that how you phrase the difference? Broadcast versus Super Thirty Five, or is something else? I mean, it, so Super Thirty Five is is talking about the actual sensor that's in the camera. Um, so people say a cinematic camera that can mean a couple of different things. It could be a full frame sensor, Super Thirty Five. Could be a Super Sixteen um, millimeter sensor. So it really just Cinematic is one of those terms that, I don't know, depending on who's saying it, means something different. So we're talking about cameras. There's Super 35 sensors, which is, there's, they can be, they're roughly 35 millimeter sensors. And there's different versions of what that looks like, depending on who makes it. But um, it's an actual physically bigger sensor, which is what the device inside the camera that's capturing the light is, than a traditional broadcast camera, which is a two-thirds sensor, generally speaking. And so if you were to physically look at them next to each other, they're just different sizes. So the bigger sensor, the Super 35, allows it to capture more light, so it's generally better in low light, um, and it gets shallower depth of field than a broadcast camera does. But it's bigger, so it requires a whole bunch more stuff, more processing, um, you know, more computer power to, to handle and transmit that signal. And the lensing gets very different. So if you're in a, an arena and you're 100, 150 feet away, getting a tight shot with a Super 35 camera is going to be pretty tough because um, your camera sensor is bigger. So every time you put a lens on it, it's wider, mm. so to speak, um, compared to a broadcast camera. I, I There's things I've always, I've always said Super 35, and then I didn't really know. I've never been gutsy enough to ask. <laughs> yeah, so if you get like, there's a lot of red cameras that are popular now that are actually full frame. They're bigger than a Super 35. Uh, um, and or if you get like a, uh, there's still a few people that make like the 16 millimeter sensor size. Um, used to be pretty, really popular with Micro Four Thirds 
lenses and cameras. Um, so those were all bigger than broadcast sensors. So is bigger always better? No, because like, like, like okay. I was just saying, like if you're if you're really far away, a big sensor is going to cause problems. Okay, it's going to be really really expensive to get enough glass in your lens to get that tight uh, zoom shot. Gotcha. But I think bigger, you know, generally looks better. It's softer. It's more cinematic, and it's and it's aesthetic. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, that's helpful, and this it's a lot more information than I knew five <laughs> minutes ago. This is great. <laughs> we end up go. We end up going back and forth with. Uh, you know, we have a lot of discussions about cameras with our clients, and you know, we find. Uh, uh, you know, it's probably fifty fifty right now. People go and broadcast or cinema, but from my standpoint, it sure is easy to set a broadcast camera down versus all the bits and pieces you need for a cinema camera. <laughs> totally, right. very true. Very true. <laughs> I was doing surgery yesterday on a couple of cameras that had a uh, passion. Just yeah. requires a lot of work. Well, I mean, so like, give some, give us, give us those of us who haven't had that experience. Like, what do you, what do we talk about? The difference between plugging in a broadcast camera versus all the other things. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's. I mean, with the broadcast setup, it's pretty much a camera body, a lens, a viewfinder. You know, mounted to a tripod and plug a SMPTE cable into it. With the broad, with a cinema camera. There might be, uh, I mean, a whole build-up kit with rails. There might be lens support. There might be handles. There's probably monitor arms. There's probably a side plate, a top plate. Um, there might be 20 different parts on a uh, for us on a camera build-up for a cinema camera. Um, uh, power supplies. I mean, just you name it. There's there's so many things that you need when building up basically a box a box camera. And connecting it to, uh, you know, one of the video systems like we're talking about. Right. The way I like to explain it to people is these cinematic cameras were made for film shoots. And in scene one, you might have it on a tripod. On scene two, you might have it on a gimbal. On scene three, you might have it, you know, handheld in a tight space. So it's, it's basically just a brick. And then you outfit it for each scenario that you want to use it in. And now we're trying to do that in a live setting. So it requires a lot of little bits and pieces. Yeah, where a broadcast camera is built to be it in has the studio, a shoulder rig. Yeah, the shoulder rig is built in. The lens attaches with a handle on it. The monitor just like snaps in, and it has pins that you know send signal back and forth. Sometimes. Yeah. It's powered from the camera body. It's all there. It's ready to yeah. go. Yeah. Cool. So all that at at the HQ will probably will end up having uh, some cinematic cameras, so you can put your hands on it, see how it works, see what that even all that work you know, looks like. Um, let's talk about audio embedding and de-embedding for a minute. Like, I know that's... Why? Um, <laughs> guys. <laughs> Gotta have it. <laughs> Gotta have it. I'm just tired of, like, bricks. Uh, I mean, in full disclosure, I, I'm a fanboy of the Ultrix router that Ross Video makes um, because it, like, eliminates these uh, needs for, like, embed embedding and de-embedding bricks. I'm just not... A, I hate having to go find a brick somewhere that's that's doing um, a critical uh, piece to the system. So embedding and de-embedding, Zach, you want to help people understand in disembedding, there's a lot of different terms, but like, so at the end of the day, explain to people embedding, de-embedding, and then why in the world we would need that even. Well, I think embedded audio is definitely one, one of the easiest 
things to mess with once you have it embedded. It's just a, a quick way to get a vi audio and a video signal uh, across the building, across the country, however you want to do it. But essentially, embedders are taking audio and embedding it into the SDI stream. You know, you have what you're talking about, the bricks of being able to throw down and take analog audio. Um, a lot of times off of a console or there's uh, MADI embedders now. There's MADI embedding cards. And you know, that's where we're going to go in with the ultra router. And then there's the exact opposite, um, you know, to do the de-embedding side of it. So there might be a an analog de-embedder if you take an SDI signal and throw it across a room. Um, and then de-embed it and put it into a power speaker with uh, a TV beside it or something like that. Or, you know, into another Ultrix frame somewhere and spit that out to Maddie and then take that into an audio console and uh, do it that way. So, you know, embedding and de-embedding audio, whether analog or digital, is something that is a very uh, useful tool. Yeah, and I think the worlds of video and audio have be uh, begun merging or they have merged. Do you see that same, Zach? I mean, that's the, the best, one of the best things about the Ultrix now is Ross really saw that opportunity and that's why you can do MADI embedding and de-embedding uh, within, within the Ultrix. Um, I think there's a lot of other manufacturers as well. Whether or not it is in the same frame, it's in the same ecosystem and makes it, you know, very, very easy to do it. Yeah, because there, there was a point in time where you just, video system and audio system were standalone and there was a few little bricks to you know, merge the two when you needed. Because at the end of the day, when we watch TV, right, we're gonna we're gonna watch video and audio coming through one pipe. Yep. So we've always needed to marry the two together. It's just the way you marry them has converged. The design for the MXU rack, just so uh, we're on the same page, it does not have any traditional analog uh, de embedding or embedding. It's all going to come over Maddie from the kind of the house console, the LV1. So we're gonna we're gonna kind of go all in on uh, playing with audio in the Ultrix. Yeah, I love it. Which means it gives you really uh, some cool ways to control it, some cool ways to uh, you know begin to understand how audio and video matrix work together, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, again, I'm a, I'm a fanboy. So yes. that's my that's my love language. So in a non-Ultrix world, how would you solve this problem? You you just have a bunch of embed and, and embedders in the rack and yeah i mean and that's really what we'd be looking at i mean on a typical project like this we might specify four embedders four d embedders i mean we'd go through the design and see what would actually be needed but we'd also have available routes to be used in the future um you know because that's one thing you can't ever have enough of probably if you're going the traditional route is embed d embed cards because you just don't know what you're going to be asked to do um but for every for every output of your switcher that you might record, we might provide a embed card for that. So mm -hmm. we can stream from ME1, stream from ME2, stream from an aux if need be. Um, but with Ultrix, we can, we can marry all those video signals up with the audio in the router itself and not have to waste all the outputs and inputs to get in and out of all these cards. So it's a, I mean, it's easier and it's also saves a lot of resources and outputs of your router. That's that's really helpful when you look at uh, when you're building a system. Yeah. The other cool. use case scenario for me is like when I, this happens to every church in America, surely. But a guest speaker comes up and is like, hey, I want to use my laptop on stage and I want to present from my laptop. 
and you're like, okay, cool. And then, you know, 15 minutes before the service, you forget that, uh, to ask about audio and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, I got a video too that needs audio from this computer on stage. You're like, cool. Now is audio coming out of the headphone jack? We get into the, how we get into the audio system. So like embedded audio, you can send it through the HDMI to the SDI brick and then all the way to your router. And then it hops onto the Maddie stream from there. And then Maddie hits the, um, hits the stage rack for your audio consoles. And you're like, Hey, it's on Maddie channel 25 and 26 and your audio guys pick it up and you're good to go. There's no extra stuff. It just, all of a sudden in that moment, you didn't have to do anything else other than go, oh, okay, cool. The SDI is going into the router. Make sure it's outputting on the HDMI and we're good to go. You know? So that's the real case scenario that might've happened once or twice in my scenario. And we've got some equipment. One of the things that you might run into on this discussion is SRC and basically the system frequency for the audio consoles. So we have we have some conversion equipment that will uh, that will convert because obviously video runs at 48. So we have some conversion equipment that allow the video the video devices to play nicely with the consoles and do that conversion. So uh, there's no clicking and popping or silence on the uh, on the audio channels coming from or going back uh, to the audio consoles. Yeah, because some reason everybody wants to be at 96K in their audio world, but yeah. Uh, Zach, did you have life an, hard. Yeah, did you, <laughs> at Elevation, you guys were 48 or did you do 96? 48. Okay, you, audio and video? Yep. All of it, okay. John, are y'all setting up systems with 96 in audio world? This is my um, low-key shots across the bow to audio people being the MXU video podcast. So anyway, feel free to speak. Yes. Most, your of, opinion. most of our clients, most of our clients, uh, think they need to run their systems at 96. So we find ourselves doing these, uh, doing these conversions on almost every big video system we design. Okay. I mean, what do audio people, people know, I just heard about people spending a hundred thousand dollars, but audio in their freaking cars. That's true. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so, let's just do what we need to do. I, yeah. What uh, what uh, what did the uh, what frame rate and frequency is the video system going to be in? That's Has a good that question. Decided? I don't know if we've. I, I just assumed it would be in 1080p, 59, but I, I don't know. I think that's uh, still TBD. I think all of the gear that we're specifying can do uh, 1080p, 60 or 59.94, however you want to phrase it. But yeah. Um, not UHD currently, even though it's, 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 it, it would have the capacity to do UHD, but, or 4k, but this is kind of like a lot of the video systems we design right now where, you know, most of the gear is UHD compatible, the client, or it may not go there all the way right now. So, you know, all the patch bays, all the wiring, all the connectors, Basically, everything is done so that if some gear was swapped out later or a decision was made down the road uh, to go UHD for one reason or another, it's uh, we don't have to go back and redo the infrastructure. So um, that's, that's kind of like where we're at just uh, in the industry right now. We have very few clients or very few projects who are actually switching in UHD, but they end up we end up designing the infrastructure in UHD just so... We know that's going to get switched out more less frequently than the actual gear itself. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you're going to make a gear purchase decision for 10, 12 years 
or more lifespan. So the gear being able to be able to be 4K or UHD is important, but you may not want to run it in it now or if ever, depending on how there's a lot of things, you know, compression, yeah. all that stuff. So yeah, depending on what cameras we get, I think with this system, correct me if I'm wrong, we would be able to, you know, put it in 5994 or put it in 29 or put it in 24 to kind of see all those differences. Yeah, there's nothing. I mean, those are becoming, I think all the manufacturers have realized like being able to be flexible in frame rates is, is a thing. Five years ago wasn't a thing. Like even, no, definitely not. You know, most manufacturers were living in the 2997 or 5994 world and that was it. So the fact that most switchers now can do 24P is pretty awesome. Um, and there's record devices that can do it now and all that stuff. So flexibility is the, the key now. Um, yeah, and that was the last thing I was going to say about the kind of the UHD is even if you're not switching in UHD, but if you needed to record ISOs, you had a camera that could output, um, you know, a 1080p stream and a UHD stream, having the infrastructure should, to do so, if you needed to do ISOs through the infrastructure, like on this video system, you could uh, if you needed, you know, two recordings. The last thing is like from a multi-view standpoint, we and being able to like play back video content. Um, I know that Resi's providing some gear. We're going to be able to capture different uh, churches content. I think that a little bit of that system is still TBD, but we'll be able to watch other churches content um, as we do training and stuff and watch how they do things. We'll be able to watch their multi-viewer and all that kind of stuff. So it'll be fun to see, again, it's the whole idea of like having a virtual service happen in real time and say, okay, this is happening. What what would you do? You know, like be able to have that like environment where it's low pressure and you're able to like teach and train and coach without knowing like I'm gonna have a Monday morning conversation if this volunteer screws up. That that's gonna be really helpful in that regard. Anything else technically we wanna talk about, dive into? I think it's gonna be awesome. I'm excited. Like, yeah. there's a lot of cool stuff coming. I think it's going to be, I think everything overall is going to be helpful, you know, from all the way from just helping churches learn how to be better teams, but teaching them about the future. I mean, this, this setup is going to be amazing for some churches that may not be in this ballpark of gear for years down the road, but just to help them learn it. Yeah. I think it'd be cool to just even see our technical uh, folks who lead our technical teams at churches like to be able to bring their pastors up and say like, hey, come up to the MXU facility with me. Let me show you what some folks are doing. Let me show you what it is like and where it's this awesome environment. It's not somebody else's church where you and your pastor can have a, uh, or creative director, whoever that might might be, where you're just like, just need to give them a glimpse of what life could look like, you know? Um, I think it could be a really cool opportunity. I have, I have a request for John. Uh, when you're designing and building these racks. So HQ is going to be yes. in Knoxville, which is enemy territory for me and Jeremy. We're uh, <laughs> it's amen. Georgia Bulldogs fans, and Knoxville right. is the home of the Tennessee Volunteers, <laughs> a.k.a. prison workers. Um, <laughs> so wow. can we, like, use – I mean, the, the orange is what you – it's a prison jumpsuit, guys. I, I don't know. Zach likes the orange team, too, so it's, it's – Yeah, but Clemson orange is different than Tennessee orange. So <laughs> – since Lee and Spencer and the guys aren't here right now, I'm just looking for you to, to like make a commitment that you'll do like red and black coax lines or something like that. Yes. Like wh where can we put some red and black in this? Mm. Just so they always have to see it. 
Mm, come on. I think that's a fantastic idea. Uh, yeah. I okay. love it. You heard it. A little here. Easter egg okay. inside the inside the racks. Yep. Yes. We like red too because of Oklahoma. So that's uh that's fantastic. That. It kind of serves a dual purpose. That's I right. That's right. And you know, you guys are gonna quickly find out what the SEC is like. So uh yeah, we're <laughs> you're gonna be part of that cool club. I I'm mean scared. You, may not, you may not win any <laughs> games, but you'll uh, be in the club. It's gonna be bad. Just don't become a, uh, a Tennessee or like the Tennessee fans. They uh yeah. Spencer's not even, he's from California. I know. And all of a sudden he's like, yeah, he just got lumped in. Yeah. 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 Not a whole, whole lot of people. Let's, let's back up. Spencer is a major uh, uh, part of making MXU happen. He's not on a lot of podcasts, not out there, but he is the glue to making MXU happen. Uh, and so he, we interact with him a lot. And if you come to the HQ, you'll interact with him. So he, he's an awesome guy, but uh, you know, he's just, he's a, yeah, he's a volunteer fan. Is what it is. Um, I'm excited about what's to come. I think uh, last I talked to Lee, we were talking about August, late August, summer-ish. So I don't know if there's a public timeline necessarily, although I just threw out August as a public statement. But True. yeah. Very public. <laughs> so Now we got to do it. Yeah. So push hard. Timelines, That's right. man. That's right. Everything's about a timeline. I'm sure John knows about that. We're just going to need to push it up. <laughs> It's all about gear availability. I know it's not like there's a gear shortage or anything. Yeah, so we're excited about it. It's it's coming. Uh, More details to come. But uh, John, thanks for your time, man, and all your. uh, Hey, man, thank you all. It's been awesome. I look forward to uh, seeing you live video direct sometime soon. Let's do it. Throw you in there. I think also John has the coolest glasses. Full stop. That's for you guys. You can't see it right now, but they're pretty cool. All right, we'll leave it at that. Thanks, John. Thanks, Looking John. forward to it. Yeah, it's been great, John. All right. Thank you, guys. See ya. If you've seen or heard anything from MXU, you've probably gathered that we care deeply about helping you create healthy teams. We know that you have a lot on your shoulders, but you don't have to bear it all alone. MXU can come alongside you to help you recruit volunteers and bring them on board in a healthy way. With our platforms, you gain back valuable ministry time as we take over the bulk of training from entry level to advanced concepts in audio, video, and lighting. Keeping your team healthy should be a priority at any church, and a healthier team means a healthier you. Start building a healthy team at getmxu.com.